0: Welcome back to our study of 2 Kings. We are in 2 Kings chapter six today, and we'll be looking at the story of the floating axe head. Now this story, it's a short story, just seven verses here at the beginning of 2 Kings chapter six, but it comes at the end of a sequence of stories from the life and ministry of Elisha, where God performed miracles through Elisha. And I wanna take this last story in that series as an opportunity to talk about what miracles do, what they communicate, what they tell us. And I wanna focus on a couple of things in particular that miracles typically reveal to us, whether we're talking about miracles in the Old Testament or miracles in the New Testament. So let's read the story, and then I wanna point out these two things that um, miracles in general and this miracle in particular Show us. So here's Second Kings chapter six, beginning in verse one says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants, and he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan they cut down trees, But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Now, Um, That's obviously a miracle story because iron doesn't float, as we all know, and uh, putting a stick in the water doesn't change that. And so what is happening here is God is doing something supernatural. He's doing something unusual through the ministry of Elisha as he causes this iron ax head to float up so it can be restored to its owner. Now, what is a miracle like this? doing? What is it communicating? Well, in one sense, it's doing the same thing that the healing of a leper, like we saw in chapter five, where Naaman, the Syrian, who was a leper, was healed. Uh, It's doing the same thing as God miraculously providing for a widow, providing food for her uh, in a surprising and supernatural way. Uh, These uh, kinds of miracles through a prophet, they do um, two things, at least, consistently. And here's the first one. They reveal God's presence with the prophet. And I, and I think we could probably add, and with the people the prophet is ministering to. If we are talking about the people who are responding positively to the prophet, right? Because they're, they're listening to God's word through the prophet they recognize God being at work through the prophet and so on so they reveal these miracles reveal God's presence with the prophet like we've been talking about it's not Elisha himself who is doing these miracles he doesn't have some kind of special power on his own but is God working through Elisha so when we say you know Elisha healed someone or Elisha you know raised someone from the dead or we say something like that what we really mean is God is doing this through Elisha or God is doing this through Elijah or whoever. Um, And part of what that means, right, is that God is at work in this prophet and God is present in this prophet and this goes all the way back to the ministry of Moses all right so in Exodus chapter 4 this is part of the story where uh, Moses is uh, at the burning bush God's speaking to Moses God's calling him to go and um, bring Israel out of Egypt right and uh, so this is a part of that larger story that starts in Exodus chapter 3 but in Exodus chapter 4 Uh, Here's what it says beginning verse one. It says then Moses answered. He's talking to God He says but behold they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say the Lord did not appear to you The Lord said to him. What is that in your hand? He said a staff and he said throw it on the ground So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it but the Lord said to Moses put out your hand and catch it by the tail If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Okay, so Moses is a prophet, right? He's speaking the words of God to the people, and God gives Moses signs, miracles, to perform For what purpose, right? What are these for? Moses says at the beginning of that chapter, they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe that you, God, have have appeared to me. And so God says, here's what you do. Perform these signs so that they will know that I have appeared to you, right? So that they'll know that it's God, that God is at work in Moses, that he is behind what Moses is doing, that ultimately this is God's work. It's not Moses saying, showing up and saying, hey, I've got a great plan for how we can get out of Egypt. This is God coming to deliver his people through Moses. And those signs communicate that fact, that God is at work through Moses, that God in a way is present among his people through Moses, that he's paying attention to them, right? That he is at work among them and that he's working for their good. That's what one of the things that miracles consistently communicate in the Bible, that God is present and that he is uh, working among his people. He's present with this prophet um, and that he is at work, right? So um, that's true for us even when we don't have a prophet, right? Because The ultimate prophet who was more than a prophet, Jesus, who is not just one who spoke the words of God, but who was the word of God who became flesh. Jesus has come and as a result of his coming, now God himself has come to dwell with all of God's people. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, right? Not just among us, but in us. And we have become temples of the Holy Spirit, right? So God dwells with us. The Bible says that God will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus himself, when he gave the great commission to the disciples, go therefore and baptize or make disciples, baptizing them. uh, Sorry, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's present with us. The Spirit dwells in us, right? God is with us, will never leave us. Or forsake us so these miracles remind us even if we're not witnessing miracles even if we don't have you know an active prophet around us they remind us that God has been present with his people in the past that he's been at work among his people in the past and that he is present with us now all right so that's the first thing that miracles consistently communicate in the Bible the second one is this the second thing, the second thing is that miracles reveal God's character. So not only do they reveal God's presence and that He's at work, but they also reveal God's character. And here's what I mean by that, right? Um, miracles are the work of God, right? It's not ultimately Elisha or Elijah or whoever doing the miracle. It's ultimately God who's performing the miracle or through the prophet, and so at least often and probably we can say always they show not only god's power but also god's character right so the the power part uh, we get that right if god raises somebody from the dead we think wow only god can do that right um only he has that power but the miracles reveal not only god's power his ability to do supernatural things right? But also reveal his character, what he's like, what he cares about. Okay, so think about it like this. Yes, God has the power to heal the blind, and that is amazing. But when the blind person is healed, that also shows us that God cares about people who are blind, right? When God uh, performs a miracle for a widow through one of his prophets, right? Maybe multiplies food, let's say. That shows not only that he has power over food, over creation, but also that he cares about the widow or cares about the the son of the widow who he raises from the dead. Not only shows he has the power of life, but that he cares uh, about the widow or the woman who's lost her son. Uh, Same thing with Naaman back in chapter 5. Yes, he had the power to cleanse the leper, but also he cared about a leper who wasn't even from Israel, who was a Syrian. Right? He cared about Naaman and healed him. The miracles reveal God's character, God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion. Right? So how does that work in this story? Right? Well, <clears throat> Elisha causing the axe head to float, right, shows us that God is at work through Elisha, and so God is present, right, God is at work, God is near, he's not forgotten us, he's not left us, right, he is at work among his people through his prophet Elisha, so it communicates God's presence, but it also communicates his uh, love and care and concern For the man who lost the axe head. Do you notice what happened when he's he's trying to cut down a tree? They're trying to build a bigger place for them to live. And um, he's felling a log and his axe head falls in the water. And here's what he says. This is in verse five. He says, alas, my master, it was borrowed. Okay, so that wasn't even my axe head. I'm responsible to return it. But now it's been lost. So I don't have it to return. And... um, you know, we don't know for sure, but it's not uh, you know, too much of a stretch to think if he borrowed it, it's probably because he couldn't afford one of his own. And so if you can't afford your own and you lose the one you borrowed, how are you gonna to afford to replace it? So this man is probably in some kind of financial straits, right? Um, or even if he can't afford one, he probably didn't want to have to buy one to give to somebody else, right, to replace the one that he borrowed. That's why he borrowed it, right, so he wouldn't have to purchase one. So um, he's in, again, again, he's in financial distress, and God cares enough to provide for him. God cares enough that he causes this axe head to float up so it can be restored to the man, so he can restore it to his owner, so there won't be these financial concerns or repercussions um, for this man who had lost the axe head, right? So it shows, again, God's God's care for this individual person and for his financial needs, right? You, You and I, we don't have to experience a miracle to know that this is true, that God cares about our needs, our physical and financial needs, right? Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 6, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Right? And the conclusion to that is, right? and what he starts out with is, don't be anxious about food and clothing and so on. Why do you not need to be anxious? Because God cares for the birds of the air, and you're more valuable than the birds. If he takes care of them, surely he will also take care of you. Right? God cares about you. He cares about your life, he cares about your concerns, he cares about your burdens. Right? Now, he might not might not always respond to them with a miracle. Might not ever respond to them with a miracle. But God does care. If you belong to him, if you trust him, he's always present with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit dwells in you permanently. Right? He's sealed you. He's the guarantee of your inheritance right and it's by the spirit that we cry out to god abba father we know we're children of god right and as his children we know that he cares for us not only that he's with us but that he loves us he has compassion toward us he is concerned for us in the sense that he cares about the things that we need he's not indifferent to us but he loves us right so everywhere we see these miracles whether in the old testament or in the new testament They are reminders for us of what is true, not only in the ministry of those prophets, but what is true for us all the time. That God is present, that he is at work, and that he loves and cares for us. God bless.